Hello and welcome to the Repulse of Courage podcast. I am Rock, your host, and I'm very excited that you're joining me in this episode where we will talk about how to think smarter or how to think better, how to think more clearly. And I'm really very interested in this topic because I think that the quality of our life Uh, depends on the quality of the decisions that we're making, quality of the choices that we're making. And of course, we make a lot of decisions and choices every day. And so it's very important. And the quality of the decisions or choices we're making also depends on the quality of how we are thinking about things. And so, yeah, it pays to think smarter or to think you know, better, clearer. And yeah, I, I find this topic really interesting. And um, I'm also excited because this is the start of a series that I'm going to do around this topic. Um, I think I'm going to cover a lot of a lot of stuff, um, really interesting stuff. And this is really more um, of us learning together basically because I'm still learning about these things. Um, I read about these things um, a while back, but you know, um, it's good to be reminded of <laughs> these things. So yeah, um, so so let's get started. And I want to start with like a more meta level, like a high level thing, which is I want to mention that um, one thing to remember to help us think better is actually to remember that we can be wrong <laughs> and we are likely wrong. I think it's so important um, because I think usually mistakes happen because we're so confident of our thoughts and so confident of what we know when there's really more that we don't know than what we know, right? But sometimes you ha- we have this, you know, very high, very um, high level of confidence. So, yeah, generally, just you know, awareness that we can be wrong, I think, is super important. And most of the topics that we will talk about actually is related to that because we will be talking about um, the different cognitive biases. So let me read just like a, uh, a formal definition of cognitive biases. So cognitive bias refers to a systematic pattern of deviation from rationality in the way we process information or make judgments and decisions. It is a type of mental shortcut or a heuristic that our brains use to make sense of complex information and make decisions weekly. So, um, yeah. So basically, diba, our brain try to uh, process information very quickly. So these are the things that we call like heuristics or instincts. Um, so we come up with, you know, I like solutions or like decisions or thoughts around things um, weaker, diba, minus like, um, minus the, Uh, usual logical thinking, critical thinking process. So we come up with those thoughts, and and they are likely to be 
mistaken. So, and it's 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 good to be aware of these cognitive biases because there's just so many of them, and they happen more often than we recognize or than than we are aware of. So, yeah, I've learned about this a couple of years ago, and it's really it's really you know it's really like I I open. Because um, you would realize that it's really more common, and that you make those kinds of uh, mistakes in your thinking many times. And so, yeah. And so, in, in this series, we're gonna go through like the many different cognitive biases, what they are like, and then we'll have some like thought experiments, um, and how we may be able to catch ourselves when we are making such biases and what we can do to prevent falling into the trap um, of those biases. So, yeah. So let's begin with one of the most uh, common uh, cognitive bias, which is, before I mention the name, let's let's try to do a, a little bit of a, a thought experiment, or like an exercise. Okay, so let's say, um, let's say we're just, we're talking about the pandemic, and you know we had a um, like a strong debate at some point during the pandemic around vaccines, about whether you should get the vaccine or not. So I'm not making any suggestions around that, but maybe you have an answer. Do you uh, believe that you should get the vaccine or not? And the exercise is, okay, imagine yourself doing a Google search about why or why not um, you should get the vaccine or like to help you make a decision or make a case for what you think is right. So think about that for a second like think about like what would be the query that you're going to type on your google search right maybe you thought about it so and now it's more common for us to actually search for information that can confirm what we already believe in. And this is one of the most common, if not, the, I think this is the most common um, cognitive bias that we have. And we call this the confirmation bias, wherein we try to filter information so that we get more of the information that supports what we already believe in and almost like filter out those that contradict or challenge what we believe in so in the exercise earlier if you for example believe that um, vaccine is good you probably would have typed something like what are the benefits <laughs> of getting a vaccine why should i get a vaccine why uh, what are the evidence supporting the use of vaccine right so you try to get those information confirming your bias 
And this is so common, especially in topics like that. Um, and I think this is also very common, um, like during elections. No, like you are in paper, for example, um, in paper of a particular candidate, and you you just consume and try to gather as much information about the candidate that you like and about the things that are good about them. You try to search about their accomplishment, etc., etc., etc. That's that's typical, and also you. Um, engage in conversations with people who also support the person you're supporting and you enjoy the conversation and you reinforce each other and that feels so good so that's actually confirmation bias right so um i'm trying to think of other like more common um common examples but it, it's really so common like anytime you go just try to observe anytime you go and search for something on Google, C or whatever, <laughs> whatever you're using. C, try to observe how you are framing your search. Is it more leaning towards what already confirms what you believe? And when I when I learned about this, actually I joined a, I joined a, an event. I think. Yeah, I joined an event, and then we did a similar exercise about i think um which is better um sugar natural sugar or um, artificial sugar something like that and that's yeah i realized that yeah i have confirmation bias looking for the answer that already supports my um what i believe in or what i thought was probably the better option but ever since I learned about this, I actually uh, changed how I look at how I how I do it a little bit, and this is how we can like counter or prevent ourselves from um, making such a bias. And that is be more be be mindful, be aware, be aware that you know we're we're not. Um, we're not um, we're all susceptible but we are all susceptible to the bias but we are not immune to the bias so just that awareness is number one and then second is having that awareness when we think about something we believe something it actually helps to intentionally seek information that can challenge that i know it's hard for i think it, it's hard in, in the beginning parang it's not really our nature to disprove ourselves but it's a good exercise and yeah i think i think i've tried to practice that actually um trying to search first like for example like vaccine yeah i think i i uh, i believe for example i believe in vaccine i will make a search on like why i should not i should not um take the vaccine but of course you wanna um you wanna get both information also like elections right 
um, you have a favorite candidate, but you also want to research about the other candidates. And you also want to research about them, not only in terms of the negative or like why you shouldn't vote for them, but also like trying to search like what probably are their strong um, arguments for why they should win. And, and also for whoever you're supporting to actually try to search for negative things. Um, it sounds count- counterintuitive, right? But that's the thing. Because, you know, cognitive biases, this is our more like um, unconscious. So they are, they are more automatic. And that's why we are really susceptible to cognitive biases because shortcuts are So it's our brain's way to give us an answer instantly. Right? So that's why for more important decisions, you want to actually be able to take a little bit of your time. I say if you also like um, just, how do you say, just um, rely on the, you know, on the quick impulse instinct. Um, we are susceptible to that. <laughs> so yeah, yes. that's confirmation bias. Um, I'm going to probably digress a little bit because there's a thought in my mind saying that um, that you know, parang, uh, there's also value in listening to your instinct and also in listening to your instinct and also how do we like value instinct now? It's an interesting question. <laughs> I'm digress, digressing a little bit, but I think it's important as well to tackle a little bit. Um, but this is just like my thoughts, really. This is like on top of my head. Um, I think I think it really depends on what you're trying to decide on. Like I think there are things that are just so important and you actually have the time to think about them and be more critical about them. And in those cases, you do want to spend a little bit more time and not just listen to your instinct. Probably have some really like try to come up with like evidence and like criteria for how you want to decide on that matter. But there are things that are, you know, like the cost of the decision isn't as much. Like what are you going to eat? <laughs> Should you go to this, you know, should you go to this event tonight? And you're not, you don't have any other things to do anyway. Like, um, I think you can listen to your instinct in those instances because like um, the risk is not as much. But yeah, if you are, for example, deciding on your uh, career, deciding on who to, mar- uh, who to marry or something, um, deciding on like which car to buy, you probably want to, Uh, spend more time and these biases will come into play and you want to be able to catch yourself and rethink that so yeah so going back to cognitive biases so the next thing i want to i want to share is also quite common um and this is okay um this is the scenario for example For example, you went to a fast food restaurant, um, you're hungry, you bought, for example, a burger, you paid, I don't know, you paid 
whatever uh, for the burger. And then, of course, you're eating the the burger, but it tastes bad. <laughs> it tastes bad. And so the question is, will you eat the rest of the burger? Or you'll just not gonna eat it well, that's one example <laughs> think about it right? so another example is um okay you you wanted to watch a concert or a movie or a play whatever show you wanted to watch a show so you bought a ticket went to the show and when you were in the show it's just not good <laughs> And the show is, let's say, running for two hours, and it's just not good. But the question is, will you stay and finish the entire show because you paid for it? Or are you going to go? <laughs> are you going to go leave and just, you know, uh, count that, uh, charge that to experience? So, yeah, what would be, what would be your decisions? in those um, scenarios yeah so well um if you said that you're gonna finish the rest of the burger even if it doesn't taste good even if you don't like it and or and that you are going to stay for the rest of the show because you've already paid for the ticket right then that is what we call sunk cost fallacy. So it's also like, so the sunk cost fallacy is um, when you think that, you know, because you've already spent or invested in something, so that could be money, that could be time, that could be emotion, like in terms of relationships. And so you feel like because you've spent already that investment in something, that it would be a waste if you just stop and not finish or not continue. So it can happen like in the case of project, for example, you're working on a project and like there's already so many, so many um, signs that the project is a failure. It's just, it's just not working. And yet you still keep going and keep investing your time and money because you think like you've already invested a couple of years into it just want to keep pushing and that could be considered sunk cost fallacy as well and yeah it's pretty common especially on in that now usually you know trying to finish a movie that isn't good anyway just because you paid for the tickets so how can we prevent sunk cost fallacy right so um there are like five things that we can do to prevent sunk cost fallacy. So first is, especially, this is especially for like projects and more, you know, bigger things. Um, one is you want to be able to set clear goals, right? So you know that um, if it's a project or if it's an activity, you know that it can help you like evaluate your progress and determine whether it's actually worth continuing or not whether you are close to your goals or your 
basically not hitting it. Um, I guess in the cases of like movie or something, maybe you don't. Maybe in the in the case of goals, you can still set like goals, like for ideas for what makes a movie worthwhile watching, like worthwhile your two hours, right? And yeah, but but yeah, that's more for the project set your goals. Um, and in addition to that. The next thing you can do, or you should do, project or activity-wise, is to um, reevaluate regularly. So part of the plan that you have is actually so you set your goals, but you also like set some metrics for failure. You know, like okay, if this happens, then this is a sign of failure, and this is our sign, or like this is our. Sign that it's okay not to continue anymore because we're not, you know, going the right direction. It's just not going the right way. Um, and of course, you have to regularly reevaluate that, right? Um, so yeah, that's another thing. Uh, more specifically applied to like projects and you know, med- uh, like long-term activities. And then the other one um, is the opportunity cost. <laughs> so um, think about the opportunity cost. So um, when when you're trying to, like for example, for the movie, um, the movie is gonna take two hours. You've already paid like um, a couple of dollars or pesos for that movie, and it's gonna. So that's one cost for you. Plus. The cost of your two hours. How much do you value your time in terms of currency? And you can factor that. So, and then you can think about the opportunity cost. Like, okay, if you stay watching that movie for the next two hours and it's not a good movie, you're not enjoying it. What could you be doing? Um. R- What what could you be doing um, aside from watching the movie, right? Maybe you could be finishing a project. Maybe you could be doing a two-hour task for a client, and you could be earning this much in terms of course currency. And then you can compare that, like you realize, oh, this is actually much more valuable. I could be earning this money. Instead of, you know, spending this time feeling disappointed about a movie that I don't want to watch anyway. Yeah. So that's thinking of opportunity cost. Um, of course, for the project, it's the same. Like the opportunity cost is, say, you've already invested your money and time on a project, and you're thinking, okay, um, you're still willing to invest this much money and this much. Time, like how many months? But the opportunity cost is like, what could you be gaining if you actually spend the money you're planning to spend in this project that's not working well, and if you put that in something else, plus the time that you're going to spend and you put that in that something else, right? So you make a decision, like you weigh it and see, you know. Um, 
the opportunity cost of sticking to this plan that isn't working. Um, of course, you probably would argue, and some people would argue that, um, you know, you'll never know. <laughs> like, especially in, like, the business. There's, of course, there's a lot of um, stories, narratives around, you know, sticking it out, sticking it through. Um, when you think, like, you know, it's not working, but you just have to keep pushing, and at some point, you're just gonna break the barrier. And that's probably true and valid. Um, so you gotta have to, again, the idea with opportunity cost is that you're trying to be as um, logical as possible in making the decision. In yeah, and um, that's why it also pays to know your metrics and to also set like the metrics for what could be the scenarios where okay this is this is a sign that you have to pivot for example change direction a little bit or change direction altogether so yeah and yeah and i guess I think I said five, but maybe just four. Um, I guess the last thing is that um, I guess embrace failure. <laughs> embrace failure, like embrace a uh, mistake. So just just recognize that you know it didn't work. Um, you probably chose the wrong burger to buy. Wrong decision. You probably chose the wrong movie to watch, and it's okay. It's okay, you know. We make mistakes and and maybe actually staying longer watching a movie you don't even like it's just another mistake that you're gonna make and maybe it's okay <laughs> maybe not again try to see the opportunity cost or counterfactual what could you what could you be doing in that two hours instead and um yeah um yeah it just skips just keeps my brain just keep tell, keeps telling me about like the food because like the burger would you finish the burger or not and i think many of us are i just say at least for me in a way i would probably still try to finish the burger <laughs> um and i don't know if it's some cost fallacy but maybe it is but I would finish the burger just because I don't like wasting food. And yeah. And I also have this uh, thinking when whenever I waste food, which I try not to, is that, uh, you know, many people are hungry and you don't want to be wasting food. And yeah. So, that is some cost fallacy. Alright, so let's have the third um, cognitive bias for this episode. And this is going to be the last for this episode. So, think about this. Imagine that you are deciding um, whether to invest your money on stocks or real estate. And so, you're considering those options and you have a friend 
who who actually told you that they were they made a lot of money on real estate investment and then we also have a co-worker who also invested in real estate and made some profits out of it um of course you are aware that um there are risks around investing in stocks and investing in real estate but but yeah so you have those two friends that you know were successful in investing in real estate and so where would you invest your money would you invest on stocks or um on real estate think about it for a little bit is it in stocks or real estate so if you said that you are going to invest in real estate and maybe that that decision is driven by the cognitive bias we call availability bias so the availability bias means that um it's our tendency to overestimate um something overestimate like the importance or the frequency of um events or or information or something that are easily available in our memory so they are readily available in our memory so in that example um we mentioned that two of the people you know like you have a friend and you have a colleague who mentioned that they made money out of real estate versus you don't know anyone in person or like directly who told you that they made money from stocks and so your decision was basically driven by the availability of evidence or like example that real estate actually works and is profitable and that's why you're making that decision so but yeah um that can be a bias because it may not be accurate it may just be because that's only what you heard but in reality if you look at the grand scheme of things probably real estate could be a riskier investment than stocks i mean this is more complicated than that <laughs> but yeah let me, let me think of other examples of availability bias um and i think this this is a funny example um i remember i remember when i was uh like before i stayed in manila because i i live in laguna and yeah it's still a province right and when i started working in uh metro manila my mother was actually a bit like worried about me staying there and was like oh but there's a lot of news around you know there's a lot of news about people you know getting um experiencing having bad experience right um like holdups or um snatching or like you know and then the other horrible things that you know you hear in the news and like she was like maybe it's okay if you just work from home and this was like this was like 2014 But I've done I've done um, online work before that I've done because I I've been working online since 2009, 
while I was still a student. Anyway, that's not the story. <laughs> anyway, so she was like, maybe you could just find a job here, uh, close. So because she was scared about all those information and felt like it's risky in Metro Manila and 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 didn't want me to put myself in that kind of risk. And it's just so funny. And I, I remember I told her, you think it's so dangerous in Metro Manila because that's the only information you hear. That's the only, of course, that's the only information you get in the news because you don't hear in the news about a girl came home safely from work, right? You don't hear those news. You don't hear the news where, you know, a girl came home without losing their wallet. <laughs> or like, oh, someone was, someone came home safely and was not raped or something, right? You don't hear those news. You just hear like the things that, terrible things that happen. And you assume that, <laughs> that it's like the norm. So that's a kind of um, availability bias. And it's not just, you know, just because you're getting that, it, partly it's because that's the only information you're getting. And so that becomes like your conclusion. But at the same time, sometimes like dramatic events, even if it just happens once, but it's just like dramatic, it's just like so scary. And it becomes like, your memory of that thing and yeah that's um availability bias so yeah so how do we how do we prevent ourselves from falling into that trap right um i guess i guess with every cognitive bias it's always like the awareness that you could be having that bias so it's always the awareness that it always starts from there and so, because you have that awareness, the next thing that you want to do is actually um, gather information, gather diverse information. Like you have bad information. Uh, you had two friends telling you that they made money from um, real estate. But maybe uh, it would be good to actually seek information from people that invested in stocks, right? Um, you're just not getting those evidence or like information that you can actually intentionally gather them. Ask like who have invested in stocks and how was it? Who invested in real estate? How was it? Probably try to find as many people for each and see like, you know, the rate of success um, between them. And yeah, that's one. Um, of course, there's, you know, statistics, you can use statistics, um, like, for example, uh, for example, like about the, uh, about the crimes, for example, in Metro Manila, like my mother's so scared about um, those things happening, like, as if they happen all the time, and it's the norm, but, you know, maybe we can do research on like, how, what is the crime rate, actually, how often actually these things happen, also, how often these things happen in the actual location where I'll be living in, you know, and getting those information um, 
will allow us to actually make better judgment on those things. Um, also, um, having having um, objective criteria, like for example, um, let's say just just for a different example, let's say you're uh, you want to buy a car, right? And you have probably you know couple of people who own this particular model and they told you oh, it's actually good and then you know you could be making your decision based on that just because you have you know some people who said that it's a good um model you're deciding okay you know those are actual real evidence but it's only because that that's the available data for you but um to prevent yourself from falling into that trap maybe you can set very clear um, metrics or criteria for what you actually want to buy. Like you're looking for, you know, like maybe how many of you are going to use the car, right? Maybe what they are suggesting to you is a particular car that fits, you know, a family of five people, but you have a family of seven and it doesn't fit, right? Something like that maybe that matters maybe you're looking for something more specific like you're looking for a particular feature that maybe isn't available in in that particular model right? and things like that so setting criteria even the price etc like all those things you can set those as your criteria um, and make your decision based on those criteria and not based on you know the available opinion to you so yeah what else um well getting expert <laughs> expert advice right that's also an example for example um for example like in in, in the case of investment the investment um example right um as I mentioned earlier, it's it's really more complex than that. It's not just like you know, um, where should I put my man, my my money, right? It, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, things to consider, and maybe an expert can help you. Like, okay, what's really your goal with that investment? What is the time frame you're looking into? How much are you you investing? How much is your you know? How much is your disposable income for this? And like, what is your risk profile? Right? Maybe your maybe your friends who did well in the real estate business actually have you know very aggressive risk profile, and you have a very different profile where you you know if you don't get um, or like in stocks as well, right? Like if you don't get um, returns for a couple of years then you'd feel discouraged or maybe or maybe if you see like your money the value of your money falling like this much like more than 10 percent you're gonna be freaked out already then maybe this particular kind of um, investment isn't for you so yeah and it it's it helps like in the case of availability if you're talking to an expert, maybe you you talk to limited number of experts, maybe just one or two, but because of their expertise and 
just having that deep understanding of the sub, uh, subject matter, then they're able to provide you like a more complete picture of that thing. Because that's the thing with availability bias is that because there's just like what's available and then we make a conclusion out of it. It's really, it's really a bias. It's really, it's not um, good because it's not the complete picture. So it's like you have a map, but you know, your landmarks are incorrect. <laughs> you don't have enough landmarks basically. So you're just, you know, um, following whatever's available. But yeah, so expert opinion, expert explanation um, would be very helpful to provide you a full picture of that. So yeah, that's the cognitive bias. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause here for this episode. But I'm going to be back with more examples of cognitive biases. I hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed this, um, especially the first time. Like I, the first time I read about them, I and just realized, oops, yeah, I make a lot of those, and you know, I still make a lot of those. I have a lot of um, cognitive distortions as well <laughs> as I shared in previous episodes. But yeah, I hope you uh, appreciate this. I hope you find this interesting and you uh, stick around and join me in the future episodes. Um, and yeah, I I would like to request if you're you know if you're listening to this to leave us a review wherever you're listening. It would be very helpful for us, for me. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, yeah, please give it a subscribe and a like and comment. <laughs> and if you have ideas. For um, what you wanna uh, hear from the podcast, please let me know. Um, we also have a forum for feedback that you can find um, on our website, people slash of dash courage that um, And just follow us on social media. We have Facebook um, and TikTok. And yeah, you go you can go to the Facebook page and um, send us your um ideas and feedback and that would be really really helpful would really appreciate that so yeah but um yeah thank you so much and if you're enjoying the podcast um i hope you can also share with your friends um yeah <laughs> um it wouldn't be a cognitive bias to share the podcast to your friends <laughs> just uh yeah Anyway, thank you so much again for joining me. Um, whatever you're doing right now, I hope that you're feeling great. That you have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful time. A wonderful evening if it's already evening. And I send you lots of love and lots of energy. As always, thank you so much and have a wonderful time.